0: podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Chapter American Academy of Pediatrics. The Ohio AAP promotes the health, safety, and well-being of children and adolescents so they may reach their full potential. We accomplish this by addressing the needs of children, their families, and their communities, and by supporting chapter members through advocacy, education, research, service, and improving the systems through which they deliver pediatric care. The global COVID-19 pandemic has forced a lot of changes in our lives. As we adapt to this new normal, many people have been concerned about its impact on children. Through support of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry, the Pediatric Environmental Health Special Units, and the Ohio chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, we're presenting this Project First Line podcast. This is part of the Ohio AAP's response to the COVID-19 pandemic, we will get answers to your questions that you've submitted to the AAP regarding COVID-19 prevention and infection control. Experts in environmental exposures, infection control, and indoor air quality will provide evidence-based practical advice to help us all get through the pandemic safely. First, I'd like to introduce Dr. Susan Buchanan. She's a clinical associate professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago School of Public Health and the Occupational Medicine Uh, and environmental medicine department, and director of the Region 5 Pediatric Environmental Health Specialty Unit. Thank you for uh, joining me, uh, uh, Dr. Buchanan. Um, Anything you want to uh, say to start off the conversation?
1: I'm really happy to be here, Dr. Newman, Nick. I've been spending a lot of time in the last year advising um not only parents you know worried parents but also companies and worker groups about covid-19 so it's been a really busy year in that you know infectious disease arena as it has been for a lot of us
0: yeah yeah it's been quite 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 a year for sure that we'll, we'll remember for a while so you know i was just going to start with some of the questions that we got and there are a lot of questions about uh disinfectants and mm-hmm. um I'm wondering if, if you could just like touch a little bit upon, like what's the difference between cleaning, disinfecting and sanitizing?
1: That's great. And it's something, you know, this distinction is not something I think we paid a ton of attention to before and COVID-19 really raised this up in our attention, especially since the chemicals that are used for disinfection can be really strong. Cleaning just means the removal of dirt and germs You can use soap and detergent, um, soap and water, the friction, the rubbing, gets rid of a lot of germs along with the dirt and you can remove up to 99% of what's on a surface. The microfiber cloths are really good for use in cleaning um, because they, they remove the dirt and germs, you don't have to use water. And then sanitation is Reducing germs to a level level that's considered safe for public health. So up to 99.9% is what we consider when something is sanitized. Now, disinfecting is when you use the chemicals that are known to kill bacteria and viruses, gets rid of almost all infectious organisms up to 99.999%. So when we're trying to treat COVID in an environment, we're doing disinfecting.
0: thanks, you know, because I think a lot of people have been really confused about, you know, they're trying to use something that's really designed for disinfection to clean something and it might not do a good job at at doing that. So that's, I think that that helps to kind of put it in in context and also to, to give people an idea of like where you should be doing, like when you should be doing which thing.
1: Well, we should talk about that too because the CDC over the course of the year made, um, you know, issued different guidance about what needed to be cleaned, what needed to be disinfected. And the most recent is what we've learned is that COVID-19 is it's difficult for it to pass on surfaces. And so I think at the beginning, everybody was super concerned about disinfecting all their homes, their counters, their food, everything they touched. And now the CDC is saying, if there isn't anybody that's sick at home, you can lighten up on the disinfecting. And I certainly support that because I'm concerned about, you know, using these chemicals, especially around children. The other thing that is important to remember when you said some people are disinfecting when they only need to clean is that if you do disinfect, you are supposed to clean first to get the dirt off. So even if you're disinfecting a surface, if there's still dirt there, you're not going to be able to disinfect the whole surface. So clean first, soap and water or microfiber cloth, and then put on the uh, disinfectant.
0: Yeah, I think that's 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 really important. Thank, thanks. Uh, now I think the CDC is still recommending like cleaning hands and stuff like that. Absolutely.
1: And,
0: yeah, and, and frequently
1: and touch surfaces certainly by the public.
0: Yeah. And and there's been a lot of of talk in the news about hand sanitizers and things that might be in hand sanitizers like methanol and some other chemicals. I mean, like, is methanol safe in a hand sanitizer? And like, how do you know whether a hand sanitizer has methanol in it if it's not safe?
1: Well, this was just a crazy issue that there the increase in poisonings due due to methanol and hand sanitizers. So No, methanol is not supposed to be in hand sanitizer. It is dangerous. It can have severe health effects if kids drink it or adults drink it. There have been increased calls to poison control centers because of methanol that is put into hand sanitizer when it is not supposed to be there. And there have been some recalls of imported hand sanitizer. So the only things that are supposed to be in hand sanitizer are either ethyl alcohol at 60% or isopropyl alcohol at 70%. So anything else is um, not approved and could be dangerous, including um, ipropanol and methanol for sure.
0: Yeah, because I think the Uh, And I think, um, is there a list somewhere where the, where some of these things were recalled? Do you, I I think, uh, I feel like there was somewhere, maybe FDA had a list.
1: A recall list. They, I I know they put out an announcement about this.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm sorry.
1: I haven't seen a list of exactly like the brand names that were recalled. Oh, Oh, there was a company named from Mexico. Um, it's, it, you know, it's Googleable, but there was this company in Mexico that was producing hand sanitizer with methanol that got, um, recalled.
0: Yeah. I think it's like, um, I, I think, you know, the, you know, it's like anything we kind of have to trust what we get, you know, what we buy without, you know, it's it, no one's going to be analyzing it in their own house to see, you know, what the content I is. I
1: know. Well, I would urge people to be careful where they obtain the hand sanitizer. So I think if they're buying it in the regular grocery stores, it should be okay. I don't know if, if you have any input on that, but the ones that I've seen are kind of black market or they're being imported or they're sold, being sold without labels. And so those are the ones that I'm more worried about.
0: Yeah, I, I think I've seen, I I thought I saw a news story that said something about, you know, there were most of the the names of these hand sanitizers were things I'd never heard of before the right. pandemic. Yeah. and yeah, and. The um and then even ar- around Cincinnati where where I am uh, a lot of the distilleries and um, mm-hmm. um, uh, beer brewing uh, places converted over to making hand sanitizer. So <laughs> I the, know I was this, so
1: impressed with that in Chicago too. That's like bless their hearts. But then we needed the beer too to get through.
0: Yeah, that. I feel like people were were kind of getting <laughs> yeah. And and I, I went one place. I was spraying stuff, and it smelled like bourbon. You know, so I'm guessing they, they must have, uh, you know, used the same uh, process to make uh, sanitizer. So um, I know that these like quat compounds have also been used, these quaternary Mm -hmm. ammonium uh, uh, disinfectants. And I know I've, I've heard that those are really strong. So people think that they're really good, but like, should they be using them in school and and should, Children use them? And, and you said, I mean, they should not be in hand sanitizers, right? I mean.
1: No, no, you're right. The quaternary ammonium compounds are really popular in disinfectants and they appear on EPA's list of some of the disinfectants you can use to kill COVID-19. But people like me who are concerned about children's exposures feel pretty strongly that quats should not be in disinfectants. We have animal studies that show that there is some, there are some issues with fertility and organ development, birth defects in animals. We don't have that evidence in humans, but what we do know in humans is that um, it's, it's a respiratory trigger that can trigger asthma, can trigger wheezing, especially among children who already have I- asthma. So kids should not be around any compounds with quats in them. And I recommend avoiding the use of any disinfectants that have quats.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like really what we should be focusing on is, is cleaning and, you know, and just keep it and, and not necessarily go overboard with disinfecting.
1: I agree, especially in the home, CDC is now saying if no one's sick, you don't have to disinfect, use some just basic cleaners. But, but there are, of course, a lot of Um, people that are still dealing with child cares and schools and maybe churches reopening and grocery stores. There are surfaces that still need to be disinfected. There just are some ingredients that are safer than others. And I can, I can give you that list. It's not very long of the components in disinfectants that are recommended. They include hydrogen peroxide, ethanol, citric acid, L-lactic acid, peroxyacetic acid, and sodium bisulfate, so it's not a very long list, but you, that's those are the ingredients you should look at when you have determined that you need to use a disinfectant, but you want to avoid some of the more hazardous chemicals.
0: Yeah, I think that's great because I think a, a lot of those things, at least you know, a few of them are people are things that people have already heard of, you know, yeah. hydrogen peroxide, yeah. and it may be stuff yeah. that you already have around your house and like vinegar. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly, and you know, I think um, it's very important for people to know that you can you know, disinfect and do it without something very complicated or dangerous.
1: Right. Right. Exactly.
0: The um, and I I hear now the the US EPA has this this endless they 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 have, but it has like hundreds and hundreds of things on. it. I mean, do you think it would just be easier just to remember this short list that you just. Came up with, rather well, than.
1: <laughs> well, I'll I'll mention the design for the environment list, which is also on the EPA website. So mm-hmm. EPA website has two different lists. One is the N list that lists all of a lot of chemicals by brand name, um, disinfectants that will kill COVID-19. And then the and, but as we've mentioned, a lot of those have quats. There are other chemicals that might be endocrine disruptors that are absorbed through the skin. So if you want to, and we should all be concerned about using the safe disinfectants, especially around children, safer disinfectants, there is a design for the environment list on the EPA website that has a list of 31 different brand name products that only contain those safer ingredients that I listed before.
0: Yeah, so that that gives people like a a kind of a a smaller kind of Mm -hmm. targeted list to find stuff that that they can be confident is both like effective, but also safer. Right,
1: well, it's important to remember that anything that is made to kill germs and bacteria is considered a pesticide. So different states have different laws pertaining to how pesticides can need to be handled. And oftentimes there is a law that says children are not allowed to handle pesticides. So this practice of having children disinfect their own desks or their workspaces is a
0: no-no yeah yeah and and also like yeah for probably a whole bunch of different reasons it, you know right um the uh you know the chemical issue and then also making sure it gets done the way it's supposed well, to well yeah that too of course. Yeah.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: the um the you know I, I the other thing you know a lot of the questions that came in you know had to do with like school settings and public settings mm-hmm. you know and I think there's been a lot out there now about um, with schools reopening, mm-hmm. um, like what's the safest way to do that? And I'm not going to ask you all the answers for that, because that's a really complicated. Yeah. Uh, but like, I mean, what 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 have you heard about, uh, let's say, you know, seating distances when school like what what seems to be mm-hmm. and that, because that seems like that's evolving also.
1: Right. Well, the CDC was pretty clear that said if kids are all wearing masks and all the adults are wearing masks, they can the kids can be three feet apart. So in the school setting, they don't have to be six feet apart if they're at their desks wearing their masks. Mm-hmm. And then CDC included a list of when there should be six feet. And that's like in the hallways, um, in the cafeteria, in choir or whatever. there's any shouting. Um But beyond, or where you can't wear a mask, certainly, you know, six feet, but the three feet is okay. I did want to mention, though, that the uh, CDC put out a study just today, I think, uh, Mm. from a bunch of schools in Georgia that looked at what seemed to work and what seemed to not matter that much. And they found that separating the desks by six feet did not Come out to be statistically significant.
0: Oh, interesting! What was,
1: yeah, what was significant was uh, the ventilation mm-hmm. and wearing masks. Yeah. So that's just one study, but we're going to get more and more of these data about which aspects of the school milieu seems to be working. And this is an important study that said ventilation, mask wearing, and the six feet apart did not. Uh, you know, come out to be statistically significant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's really interesting because I think it speaks to certainly some of the work that we've done research we've done in Cincinnati, looking at like particulates and how they move around Mm and, and um, really like with, with, with uh, filtration and air turnover, you can do a lot to reduce uh, uh, both like pollution or particles and, you know, including, it seems maybe like the particles that the, the COVID is is on.
1: Right. It's this the study found that just opening windows to get the air moving helps a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And, you know, it's funny because it kind of takes us back a bit because where my kids went to school, um, uh, the schools uh, were old, you know, so like the mm-hmm. the buildings are you know, 100 years old and Back then, there was this really, they really stressed the fact that children should be, should have like fresh air and mm-hmm. natural light. And mm-hmm. a lot, you know, you think about when they were building this, this was right after the last pandemic,
1: right? The last
0: big pandemic. Yep. And um, in the meantime, you know, in the interim, we, we've got, you know, I look at the new additions on those 100 year old buildings and they have much fewer windows, like they're all mm-hmm. sealed up. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I don't know, I wonder, we may be relearning an old lesson along the way here, but. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. The, uh, do, you, do you, have you read anything uh, about uh, like sporting events at schools? Is, uh, I mean, it seems like um, uh, you, you could imagine like indoor and outdoor and all the spectators and stuff. Has yeah. is, is there been any statements about that?
1: You know, I think it's a, it's a challenging issue and the CDC does have a webpage on sporting events. Mm -hmm. I did not see one on what to do about the actual teams, the the students that are on the teams. And I know that different teams are managing their, their masking and their testing differently, but there are guidelines for, um, for spectators and they, they do very much differ based on whether it's an indoor or an outdoor event, but they all they all go back to if you can avoid avoid going to an indoor event, avoid mm-hmm. going to it. Like right. don't the safest thing is to stay home and watch on TV. Right. Outdoor events are much safer if you can stay six feet apart and wear a mask. Now with vaccination, you know we're in the middle of this vaccination mm-hmm. push, this stuff's gonna change. Clearly right. when you're outside and you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask, you probably don't need to wear one inside, but that is gonna be up to the school and that's all changing right now as we go along. But um, if, the, if most of the people are not vaccinated and you're at an indoor event, you definitely, everybody should be masked, everybody should be six foot distant there's some very specific recommendations of like keeping putting a barrier to keep the uh, spectators from the athletes mm-hmm. and trying to get people not to cheer. I don't know how that works, but
0: yeah. Yeah. That, that,
1: <laughs> no yelling, no screaming, not, you know, bringing your own food, right? using hand sanitizer, all, all those kind of expected recommendations.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think, you know, I think some people get, um, frustrated because they're like, well, why is it okay to do one thing and not another? And I think it, it, it comes down to like, um, like what's making particles and what's not, you know, and, you know, yelling or talking might be projecting more stuff than just someone like running around and breathing. You you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's true. Yeah. I also think this is an unprecedented year for us. Mm-hmm. And schools for have sure. been trying to do the best they can and parents are trying to do the best they can. And we all have to be a little patient with each, with each other knowing that sometimes the science isn't perfect on this and we're just right. trying to be as careful as possible.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. And I think that's I think that's where it gets hard, hard for people because it seems like it's constantly moving. And I think a yeah. lot, particularly in the public, uh, and, and even like among healthcare providers too, they're used to like by the time something comes out of CDC, it's been studied for years, it's been vetted, it's all Absolutely, this stuff. Yeah. And, and now like it's moving so much faster than it used to. So we're kind of getting inside the sausage sausage factory, if yeah. you will, you know, and I think people aren't used to being in the factory, they're used to just getting the cooked sausage or
1: yeah, I, I feel like people like us are really stimulated by that. I think it's really yeah. exciting that every week something new is coming out, but I can see where the public just feels like they've got whiplash and get frustrated with us.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, yeah, and, and part of our job is to try to like interpret and translate and yeah. make it make sense for people. Yeah. Um, and I certainly get questions about COVID just in my clinical practice, even if the kids aren't in for a COVID question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a mom mm-hmm. yesterday. She said, well, I know I'm not here for this, but she said, would you just answer this question for me about a vaccine or whatever it was? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I think like there's a lot of, of uh, you know, there's a big uh, there's, there's a lot of questions people have and it, it's hard to find reliable places to get answers from. Um, the, um, the, you know, do you, have you seen anything about, um, recommending classes be held outside? I mean, like I, I saw this like with my daughter, like who's in college, like they, you know, it's, it's kind of, a, um, you know, a very like, um, kind of grassy campus with a lot mm-hmm. of like green space. So they were able to take a lot of classes outside when the weather was nice enough. That's great. But I don't know how practical that really is for um, a lot <laughs> of like like regular school settings. In Chicago, Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, also, if you have, anyway, um, CDC does mention it on their web, mm-hmm. their webpage on schools, which I think is, is a little, funny, but they're down there in Atlanta. I mean, up right. here in Chicago, you've got maybe two or three weeks before right. each end of the year that you would even be able to meet outside. And if you've got a classroom of 35 to 40 kids, I just don't see how that's going to work. So
0: yeah, yeah, it does. Seem, it seems like, you know, maybe in an ideal world, it's possible, you know, you can right. take a bunch of college students outside, exactly. but taking a 35 five-year-olds outside might be... <laughs> Hopefully expecting
1: you expecting them to learn,
0: yeah. Yeah, and hopefully you end up with 35 at the end of the class. <laughs> right. They haven't wandered off somewhere. The um, So, um, yeah, you know, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to answer these questions. I wonder if there are other things that you've encountered, like, in your practice or in working with people uh, wh- where you are, like, uh, questions that have come up that you feel like um, that just you're constantly having to answer?
1: Oh my goodness. Well, it's the complexity of the questions that Mm -hmm. I've gotten in my work, mainly with workplaces, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, so-and-so was exposed to so-and-so and they spent this much time together and who should go on quarantine and who should get tested. And somebody has a positive test, but they had COVID before. So is that a real positive test? So it's really been a lot of questions like that. And now about vaccine. Of oh,
0: yeah.
1: If I had COVID-19, should I get vaccinated? Or what if my second dose is late? Should I still get it? The answer is yes. Um, you know, right. lots of questions related to vaccine and the challenge of trying to um, encourage people who are vaccine resistant
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, to get vaccinated. I'll go out on a limb um, and say, I, I'm, I'm almost ready to change my term from vaccine hesitant to vaccine selfish or vaccine mm-hmm. self-centered. I was mm-hmm. hearing on the radio the other day that it's not vaccine hesitant. These are people who've decided they don't want it. And uh, so I'm ready to call them vaccine, um, vaccine selfish. Uh, they're really hurting all of us and keeping us all from moving forward.
0: Yeah, it's it's, and I think it's a it's a hard thing because I think with a lot of public health interventions, like whether it's um, you know um, you know wearing a mask during this time, right? It may not actually protect you as much as another person. Mm-hmm. And I think with the vaccinations too, like uh, people will say, "Well, you know, well, if I get sick, you know, I'm young, I don't really have any problems, I'll be okay." But, you know, there may be someone else that you pass it to if you get sick that, you know, you wish you hadn't passed it to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what uh, part of vaccinations are. And I think it's hard because uh, trying to ask people to make what looks like a big individual sacrifice to help other people. And it's um It's it's a sometimes a hard line to to draw. I know the Ohio AP has been working hard to try to work with parents and to encourage vaccination overall and to Mm -hmm. and to really like kind of be uh, open to where people are and try to help them understand that we're not doing this for some nefarious purpose. It really is we're trying to help everybody along. Um, But um, yeah, it's really it's. it's a complicated thing where like individual health bumps into public health.
1: Absolutely. I think it's sometimes hard for us to understand as medical providers. Yeah. One wouldn't want to do something that would help their
0: care. Yeah. 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 It's really, it's, it's really, really interesting. The, um, and yeah, I think we've, I think the COVID-19 has helped us learn a lot of different things. Like um, just the skill of like doing a podcast. Like I never would have thought of doing this before. I- Right. Well, any of the other things that we've had to teach ourselves over the last uh, year. So um, well, my whole
1: one thing. Sorry, I'll interject. Yeah, you. that's fine. I've been voluntarily giving shots, and it cracks me up because they, as a doctor, you know, I sign up, and they just assumed I knew how to give a shot. <laughs> right.
0: But right. Fortunately,
1: right. I had nurses on my team for the first session, so yeah. Well, in the last year, I've learned I've become really good at giving I.M. shots.
0: That's, that's great. Yeah. I remember, I think the last time I've had to give any immunizations probably was when I was a resident yep. and, and I worked at a school-based health center and I remember some little kid came in and he was like a 15 months old and had never gotten any vaccines. <sighs> oh. And I was sitting there. It was just like, there must've been like oh eight God. or something oh. I had to try to get in. Oh it was, my gosh. and um, it was, it was pretty, it was, it was quite something. But um, yeah, well, that's great that you're doing that. And, um, you know, hopefully all of us like pulling together will get us through this. Um, the, so, uh, well, Dr. Buchanan, I really appreciate your, your time and um, uh, coming to uh, talk with me today and, um, and your um, like leadership in this area because in the pediatric environmental health, especially, you know, you've been very busy around the, the, the health effects of the quads, and um, uh, school health issues. So like, I I really, really appreciate that. So thanks for joining me today. And um, hopefully we'll have you back sometime in the future.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, have a great day. Take care. care, Bye-bye. Bye.